Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. Hey, so today we get to do something kind of strange. We get to celebrate Easter in September. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at a passage from the Bible uh, from Matthew chapter 28. And it just strikes me that a lot of the the stories of the resurrection of Jesus, which is the cornerstone of our faith, are usually reserved for one Sunday a year. But today we're going to talk about how that historical fact leads us to a place of worship. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. This is Matthew 28, the last chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It reads like this, that after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord for us today, and thanks be to God. When I first stepped foot in a church, in a church worship service, at the age of 16 in Seattle, I was really anxious. I was really anxious because, as you know, many of you know, I did not grow up to the, in the church, and I chose the church that some of my friends had, had gone to. It was called University Presbyterian Church, a very large Presbyterian church right across the street from the University of Washington. It's this massive sanctuary. I sat in the back, and I was anxious about messing up. What, what was going to be expected of me? How was I supposed to behave Was I supposed to know something and recite something that everybody else knew and I didn't know? These were some of the things that were making me anxious. And for those of us that might make coming to something like this on a regular basis um, a habit, and we we do this on on a regular basis, we might take for granted some of the language that we use, why we stand up certain times, why we sit down at others, why we close our eyes or don't close our eyes when we pray? What is it about getting up here and talking about an ancient text and listening to somebody uh, talk about it for a while? 
we need to understand how strange this could be for people that don't usually attend worship. I mean, how many other places other than your car do you sing? How many other places do you sing out loud? This is a strange experience to walk into. And before I I, I go on, let's just be clear about something. Today we're talking about worship in this pathway of our discipleship. But worship is not confined to this hour in this space right now, right? Like we don't just believe that worship is confined to one hour on one day a week. Rather, worship, the act of acknowledging that, that God is God and that we are not, and that, that he has claims on our lives. That posture of worship is supposed to carry into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at home, at work, at school. All of our activities at work and at play. But on the other hand, when I was 16 years old and walking into that worship service for the first time, I think I was right to be anxious about it. I was right to be anxious about it, maybe not because I didn't know exactly what to do and when to stand up and when to sit down and what are the two little holes in the pew for uh, and what are the books that are held there? If you've been in our sanctuary, you know what I'm talking about. Didn't know any of that. I was right to be anxious, not necessarily because I didn't know those things, but because actually worship is bowing down before a being that is unseen who once was seen. Worship is actually bowing down before a being that is unseen and holds the keys to the universe. But we believe that that God was seen in Jesus Christ. So, but I I found it interesting, and maybe you noticed this as well. In my own experience of growing up outside of the church, I found it interesting that a lot of times we think the first step inviting somebody into uh, a relationship with God is to invite them to worship. But my contention is to us for to rethink and reframe some of that. And here's why, because, because I think in my own story, I first connected with people that were, were uh, learning about Jesus together in the living room of somebody's home. And then after that, I joined a small group of people and we, we, we studied the Bible together. And we, we tried to learn together. And then sometimes they invited me to something else that they were doing. But the last step for me was actually walking into a place like this with enough steps on a pathway to Jesus that I was ready to sing. And I was ready to be with others doing things that I thought previously were strange. And I don't want to make my experience normative for other people, but I want you to think about if any of you have ever had that experience of inviting a coworker or a classmate or a friend or a neighbor to worship and they tell you no one, two, five, ten, twenty, a hundred times, there might be a reason for that. 
Because the, the idea of what we are doing here is so foreign to many people that they may need those other steps on the pathway first. And then come to that place of discovering, yes, Jesus is real. And here and now I bow down to him. For I see him as he really is. So over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how we enter into and deepen our apprenticeship to Jesus. I've tried to articulate this isn't the only path. It's not the path. But these rather are steps that we see Jesus when he just carried his disciples with him. He invited his disciples to, uh, to join him. As he created community first, he taught them, he sent them out to serve. And as we're about to see, worship was one of the last steps. And just ask yourself if that pathway makes sense as we think about our neighbors, our coworkers, and friends, that they may need other steps first before they come to a place of worship. Now, I put up these slides a couple weeks ago. I don't know if we have... Oh, there they are. Um, But we... We first connect with others who are willing to love you, speak truth to you, learn with others as a lifelong endeavor to grasp what Jesus taught and how he lived. We serve with others as a way of loving our neighbor and being an ambassador of the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed. And we worship with others to acknowledge that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that, and that his abundant and eternal life is found nowhere else. So to today's passage, in Matthew 28, we are told that two women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, go to the tomb of Jesus. An angel sitting back on the, on the stone, and his appearance is frightening to the guards and to the, to the women. The angel speaks to the women, telling them to tell the other disciples that Jesus is risen from the dead. And while they hurry away, afraid yet filled with joy... Jesus himself appears to them. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. Dale Bruner in his commentary on this passage tells this delightful little story about a Sunday school teacher who asks the class of these, of these little children this question. What were the first words that Jesus said to his disciples on the morning that he rose from the grave? What were the first words that Jesus said to his disciples on the morning that Jesus rose from the grave. And as Bruner tells the story, there was a silence for a little bit, and then finally a little girl raises her hand, and the teacher says, yes, Mary, what were those first words that Jesus told his disciples on the morning he rose from the grave? And Mary goes, ta-da! That's a great answer, right? You can picture Jesus saying, well, I want to offer to you that when, what in your English translation it says greetings, I don't know how many of us walk around and say greetings. Like, it, it's more formal. Well, the, the Greek word here is karate, which is, is tra- loosely translated rejoice, but it was, Bruner says, it was a common greeting that people just greeted with one another. And so when Bruner translates this, he has Jesus saying, hi. What's beautiful about that is that here's this most amazing moment that turns history around. The universe turns upside down in this moment. And Jesus just says, hi. 
just as high. But note what happens next. Even though Jesus makes it fairly informal, the women in that moment understand everything. They see the, the, the man, the rabbi, the teacher, the one that they have called Lord, the one who has taught them and, and that they have traveled with, some of them supporting the mission of Jesus out of their own means. These two women are the first witnesses of this revelation that God is alive in Jesus Christ. He's no longer dead. And what do they do? They bow down and they clasp his feet. And the story says they worshiped him. They worshiped him. Now that act of, of kneeling and and. It, that happens several times in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, actually, about 10 times. Most of them are times in which we can maybe understand why people would do that. When, when a father had a sick daughter who was dying, and he comes to Jesus, he comes at his feet and bows at his feet. A man with leprosy who has been cast out for, for years comes and bows at the feet of Jesus. Many, many times, most of the times that in those 10 times that someone's bowing at the feet of Jesus, they need something from him. That's understandable. This isn't an admonition to not ever come to Jesus with your needs. We all need something from him and we would be wise to come and bow at his feet. He's the only one who can probably solve and heal us, redeem us, save us. But there's three times in those 10 times in which people seem to worship Jesus simply for who he was. We're talking a little bit about Easter here. The other time's a Christmas story. When the Magi, traditionally called the wise men, people from a different religion, some commentators call them astrologers, they come to present gifts to Jesus. They bow at his feet, acknowledging that he is a new king. The other time is when the disciples in the boat with Jesus, they, they're in this midst of this horrendous storm that threatens to break apart the boat. And Jesus simply stands up and says, be still. And the storm stops. We read that the disciples worshipped him. And the third time is this time. The third time is this time. As these women see Christ conquering the grave... Jesus is no longer dead but alive and they fall at his feet and worship him. Now it struck me as I was studying for this that the word worship we would think would be used a lot in the New Testament, right? Did you think we would use that word a lot? I mean, so much of our life as a community is about worship as it should be, but, but interestingly, the New Testament writers through all the Gospels, use the word worship 22 times. It shows up in 22 verses. The word follow, 85 times. It's an interesting dynamic, right? There's an invitation for us to follow, I believe, with the understanding that that following, when we, when we seek Jesus, when we connect with others and we learn and we serve 
that our life trajectory will move towards worship. The New Testament doesn't use the word worship very much. It appears mostly in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, that speaks of how God is going to redeem and restore all things, a new heaven and a new earth. There's a lot of mention of worship in that because people see finally what the whole plan is. And I think the same thing is true here for these women. They finally see. All that stuff, when he was saying to the disciples, hey, we're going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be tortured and killed. I will be rejected by people, and three days later I will rise. And, and you wonder if people, they, they didn't understand what he was saying because it didn't fit, that they just forgot that. But then he finally does it. And the response is worship. It seems that worship in the Gospels comes mostly after Jesus has risen from the dead. It's seeing the culmination of the power and plan of God. And it causes people to worship. Now Dale Bruner again in this passage notes how many times some version of the verb to see comes up. Let me, let me just notice a few of these again for us. Matthew 28 reads like this. It says, Mary and Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There's a violent earthquake. The angel, angel speaks to the women and says, I know you are looking for Jesus. Come and see the place where he lay. Then he tells the women he has risen from the dead, going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. The women hurry away from the tomb. They're afraid, yet filled with joy, run to tell his disciples. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Bruner says that this is no accident. There is an emphasis in our faith that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was something that was seen by eyewitnesses, many of whom, as they proclaimed this message that Jesus was Lord and King and he was alive, they suffered for that message. They saw, Apostle Paul reports, hundreds of disciples saw the appearance of the risen Lord. So friends, our faith that has been handed down to us throughout the century is based on things that were seen. It's based on historical eyewitness accounts of something that was seen. It was an illusion. And it's out of that seeing that these people bowed their knee and worshipped. The hard part for us, I recognize, is that, that we come to worship and we do not see what the disciples saw on that morning. We worship a God who is unseen yet was seen. And this faith is a trust that those accounts are reliable and true. And for centuries, people have been placing their trust in their lives in the fact that Jesus 
is alive. And that is why we worship. That is why we worship, is that Jesus is alive. The women fell down and worship on that day, not simply out of respect or hoping for a miracle. The women fell down in front of the miracle. They fell down in front of the miracle that God could become flesh full of grace and truth and dwell among us, suffer, die, and rise again. All of that is miraculous. And they worshiped in front of the miracle. I love this picture too. Commentaries make much of this fact that the the women held on to his feet. They, They placed their hands upon the feet that had nail scars in them. Jesus was fully human, fully God. They held on to his feet and I, I have to wonder if they were clinging to him because they had been without him for three days and they didn't want him to go anywhere. That posture though is what I love. That worship is that attitude of our heart and our, and our mind, maybe even our body to bow down and say, Jesus, in this moment, I cling to you. As the only source of my hope, the only source of my life. The only source that I have of forgiveness and freedom. So I cling to you and hold on to your feet. Don't ever go anywhere. Maybe some of you have had a moment like that in worship sometime. When everything around you disappears. And there's a lyric in a song or a moment. Something that's said in a prayer. And it's just you and Jesus in that moment. That's what I think those women experienced that day. They saw nothing else and they wanted nothing else. Then their risen Lord, as they held his feet, But we can't stay there, can we? That's what's hard. We would like to stay there. Remember that story and Jesus takes three of his disciples on top of a mountain and he's transformed and his, his clothes become like dazzling white, like lightning, like the description here of the angel. Peter's kind of at a loss for words. He wants to build shelters. He just wants to stay there. Remember that story? And there's a natural feeling, I think, that, oh, let's, oh, this worship, this time with Jesus, let's just stay here, let's just stay here, let's just stay here. Friends, Jesus doesn't let us do that. It may not make sense to us, but in that account on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration, what does he say? He says, go, we have work to do. And he does the same thing here. Worship is meant to make us go. Worship is meant to make us go. He he tells the women, he says, now go tell the disciples. Go tell the disciples. These women became the first evangelists of 
of the risen Lord. Dale Bruner points out this. When you look at all the gospel accounts of the risen one, the the resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave, Bruner claims that every single resurrection account ends with issuing a call to mission. Every account in the Gospels of the risen one issues a call to mission, to being sent out. In other words, we worship to go. We worship and go. So, our path of discipleship to Jesus involves connecting with one another, learning with and from one another, serving one another and serving the world, and worshiping and going into the world. And one final thing. Last week, I announced to you all as a congregation that I'm stepping down from this role as senior pastor at the end of December of this year. And I have 12 more Sundays with you. And you can bet that in those 12 Sundays, I will pour out all that I want to say to you, this beloved church. This is one of them. My prayer is that we, and you'll hear me shift the language to you soon. I'm not ready to do that yet. But that we as a church will be so convinced of the fact that Jesus is alive. That we will never give up on connecting and learning and serving and worshiping and going. That we will be so convinced that this account is real that we will embrace this identity that we have as a people of God to tell the greatest story that's ever been told and to fall at the feet of the one who made the heavens and the earth and made you you and me, who loves us with an everlasting love, has redeemed us through the cross, and is risen from the grave and sends us to proclaim that message to the ends of the earth. Friends, we have a tremendous, tremendous calling on our lives. And I pray that we would together worship and go, bowing at the feet of Jesus, the only Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and is the risen one who sends us to proclaim good news. Will you please pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we thank you. We thank you that we can look back on texts like this and see your glory and see the way that you called your people to be ambassadors of this message. We bow down in worship today. We bow our hearts, our minds, maybe even our bodies today and acknowledge clinging to you is the only source 
of eternal and abundant, abundant life. So help us on this path of discipleship, no matter where we find ourselves or where we find our neighbors, our classmates, or friends, may we lead to worship. For you are worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the Sanctuary for Classic Worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for Modern Worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.